heavy rain keeps pouring down And up ahead's another town that I'll go walking it's time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Fuels. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, all your subscriptions, past episodes, and more. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile, and please email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. We're going to Kentucky. It's been a while since I've been there, but I've been a few times. In fact, I think the first time I ever met this guest was at the, i got to say this right, the Louisville Arcade Expo, because if I said Louisville or Louisville, I'm in deep trouble. Is it Louisville? Is that right, Eric? Uh, you got to get the Louisville. You got to get the Louisville in there. Yeah. So yeah, no Louisville, no Louisville. Uh, it's Louisville. <laughs> Eric Wartenberger. At least I can say that right. Yes, sir. How are you, buddy? Doing great, Jeff. How about yourself? Good to catch up with you again here on this uh, platform. You and I have been talking recently, uh, I guess last month and this month too, playing a little bit of ICR, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a good, good way to compete a little bit here during the uh, COVID shutdowns and... Honestly, I've gotten to be able to play players from all over the world through this competition, so it's been fun. Not quite as fun as you know your typical in-person tournaments, but it's been it's been fun. Do you get stressed out at all? I mean, I find during the ICR, just the the challenge matches itself, it's pretty laid back. I mean, you're playing your own machine, but you know you kind of certainly want to beat the person you're playing. But the main thing is just to have some fun and, uh, like you say, meet some new contacts. Yeah, exactly. The stress comes for me when, you know, typically you're playing a player and you play a ball, send a pick, and then they play their ball and send you a pick of their score so you know to start the next ball. But it's those moments where you submit your picture and then it's been 10, 15 minutes and (laughs) (laughs) you're just like, oh no, what is this score going to be? They're restarting the game for crying out loud. What's going on? Right. Or or sometimes they have a problem with their internet and they actually did have an issue ball or something and, 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 you know, it just took them a while to send the picture. So that's where the stress comes for me when there's that long pause, like when they submit a picture. So <laughs> I haven't done a lot of pitcher matches. I think there was a nice group of gentlemen I played in Poland where we were sending pictures back and forth. But I use Discord and sometimes Facebook Messenger. And I just prop up my iPad because I'm not a streamer. And I put it on kind of uh, whatever the messenger, not FaceTime, I guess FaceTime. I guess that's what it'd be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, it seems to be Discord's just video call service. And when we did that yesterday, yeah, that worked out great. I'd, I'd never really done that before, but it's, yeah, it's easy enough to just prop up your phone on a little tripod over your shoulder so you can kind of chat away while you play. And yeah, it's fun. So what's fun about ICR? And there are people that never compete, but this is kind of fun and maybe something you want to do, especially if you've got a game at home or access to a game, maybe at an arcade or somewhere. Here's Eric and I playing, and you have several games, and I have a bunch of games. We don't have any common games, but recently it was a good suggestion that you go to Pindigo, a great app that's available to everyone, and use median scores. So all these games have so many different entries in, and if you look at the median score, that gives you kind of a rough estimate of what people are entering. And then you try to say, pick whatever game you have, and you can see the median score on Pindigo, and your percentage of being over or under that is trying to beat the person you're playing on their game. So the games don't have to match, but you're using median scores. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I think a lot of people have defaulted to that being the solution to not having liked games, and it's really been a good solution to that because this first year of ICR, there's a lot of times where kind of didn't really compete with too many people that didn't have the same games as me because we couldn't really agree on anything. We tried to do certain percentages or certain games that we thought scored the same, and it just didn't seem right. But that consistent way of doing things with Pindigo did seem to be a good way to kind of mitigate that challenge. 
We didn't have that issue last season because we both had a World Cup soccer. You've since sold that and basically, with a couple of bucks here and there, upgraded, in my opinion, to a shadow. Good move. Yeah, I, I was really excited to find one so quickly, too. Um, sold the, the World Cup soccer fairly quickly, and then I was on the search for... I was trying to get either a Shadow, Jackpot, or Indy 500, and I, I had some feelers out there, and, and luckily Trent, who's who's not too far away from me, a couple hours, he had one that he had just gotten in on trade, so it ended up working out great. So, yeah, I've been enjoying it. It's, it's very difficult. It's kicking my ass, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it so far. Fun game for sure, and uh, especially if it's worked in right. Now, with the left orbit shot into con, can you hold the flipper up and it just falls in there or no? It's This one will let you do that. Now, oh. I'm not sure what the adjustment was to do that, but I think this is the first one I've ever played where it's pretty consistent. I don't want to say it's a guarantee, but yeah, a fairly medium speed shot should ramp in there. So I don't know if people adjust the flipper to a certain degree to to make it do that. I'm not really sure, but mine does do that. Okay, mental note, if you're playing Eric in ICR, don't let him play Shadow because he's got it dialed in on that upper flipper right into Con. <laughs> yeah, but hell, even with that, you know, Con usually is over in two seconds unless you can really make your shot so it's it's a tough game for sure it's a great game i don't think it's underrated anymore because everyone certainly has found out that shadow is spectacular and speaking of brian eddie games you have a le of one of brian eddie's latest in stranger things in fact that's what we played i played um guardians and you played stranger things again we used the median of pindigo and you are really loving your stranger things i know you've made a few alterations to it but you uh, certainly can't be any happier yeah, it's been great. It, it definitely stumbled out of the gate a little bit. I got to play a pro right when it first came out, and I was trying to just get a feel for it because it is, it is my dream theme. So had a pro at the house just on loan for about a week, got a feel for it. I kind of liked the bones it had. It was very you know early on basic code, but I did really kind of like the structure of, of the code. You know, it was it was fairly simplistic, like. Attack from Mars, and I know that Brian Eddy was trying to do a little bit of a homage to Attack from Mars with this, with the layout and, and some of the, the features in it, but it did kind of grab me a little bit, so then I was like, okay, great, I, I think I'm going to take the plunge, so took the plunge of my first LE ever and, and, and went with it. Now, the six months following that were, were pretty difficult getting the game dialed in. Um, it, it took a very long time to get the magnet lock working and the Demogorgon to be able to be consistently hit in the mouth and things like that. But I was able to finally get it, and it's been it's been fantastic. And they did a great job updating the code, and, and uh, it, it's really come a long way. Now, if you're a huge Keith Elwin fan, you know, with those crazy rule sets and just super deep code for uh, you know really competitive players and top level players it might not keep your interest as long but it's definitely a good game to have in a lineup a larger lineup maybe or even a smaller lineup i guess but you know i love my game of thrones that's super complex and that's one of my favorites that i'll never sell but stranger things is a great mix up to that for sure I don't think code's ever been a question for Stranger Things. It just keeps getting better and better. And uh, kudos to the Stern staff for doing that because uh, that's been one of the bright spots about Stranger Things. But you said, I know you told me on the stream, you took apart your Demogorgon and you said you had to get it dialed in. What'd you do? So there's two issues with the Demogorgon that people will have. The ball either hits too low, so it'll hit like below the mouth, or in my case, it was hitting too high. So in my case, what really fixed it was there are these two long screws that go through the sides of the Demogorgon that allow it to sway when the ball hits it. So I loosened those up quite a bit so it would have a little bit more give to it. And then I also put some washers underneath 
the mounting screws that mounted to the playfield to kind of tilt it forward a little bit more, and that did the trick. Now, that took me a couple times of getting it apart, of trying different things, but finally got it, and now it's good to go. Now, it seems to be the most common issue is it hits low, and what people are doing is, is they just take it apart, and there's a couple spacers that actually hold the Demogorgon up a little bit. They just take those out and either replace them with real small ones or just take them out altogether, effectively just lowering the entire mechanism and then it's totally fine so that one wasn't nearly as bad as as getting the magnet lock working but eventually got it with the help of stern and just a whole bunch of trial and error so so you're talking about the left ramp shot the magnet lock right yeah it's it needs a lot of power from the flipper and ball speed to get up that extra little diverter to the magnet so and a lot of things come into play where the ramp sits there's a cover on the ramp that needs to be adjusted and stern's come out with a new adjustable ramp cover to make that easier but like essentially the the flipper power and the ball speed needs to be perfect in order for it to go up there consistently. And it just took a whole bunch of trial and error because I was an early adopter, you know, and just working with some other early owners, we were able to kind of come up with a way to dial it in. But, but yeah, like I said, I got it, got it going good. So was glad I was able to, cause that was really frustrating for a while, but everything works great now. So it's just fun time with the, uh, with playing it. So <laughs> what could be annoying about something like that, not working too, is, Really, what we're talking about is something that's been created to be cosmetically appealing because you could avoid having that magnet lock and still have a lock feature on that left ramp, but they decided to go up against the wall and have that magnet lock. And I think of recent Stern games that have done things really to have that cosmetic appeal that aren't necessarily needed. But again, it's something for the pinball player. Jurassic Park on the premium and the LE. Do you really need the T-Rex head to move left and right? No, but is it cool? Absolutely. And that's something unique for the owners and the players. I think of Kiss and when you would shoot the love gun shot on the premium and LEs and it would float across the backboard, which again is just cosmetic. Is it really needed? I mean, it's not exactly like the usefulness of something like Mist Multiball, which is kind of similar too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. on the playfield. You can shoot that. You're just watching the love gun go across right to left. But as someone who owns Stranger Things and has this cosmetic feature in the magnet lock, does that add value to your game? Is that important to you? Well, for me, it adds importance because, one, they do have a little bit of a code difference with the magnet lock if it's working properly. If you disable it or play a pro, when you're in telekinesis multiball and you have a super jackpot lit, you can hit the left ramp first and multiply the super jackpot. Now, on a pro, you can only hit the left ramp once, and it'll be worth a 2x super jackpot at the saucer on the left. Now, on a premium or an LE, if your magnet lock is working and you can get the balls to physically lock to the, the magnet on the back wall, you can have up to a 3x super jackpot. So you, you put one ball on the wall, then it's worth 2x, and then you have about 20 seconds to put another one up there, and it'll be worth 3x. So that was the main drive for me to get it working. Yeah, a lot of people just gave up on it and disabled it. Sure, the game pretty much operates the same way with that disabled, but I knew that there was that extra tiny little bit of code in there. And again, you know, I paid all this money for this game. I want it to work. If I just gave up on it, I'd probably just sell it, you know? So that little bit of extra code and the... um just the drive to get my game working. I guess it was my OCD. I don't know, but I just didn't give up and I'm glad I didn't because I finally got it. (laughs) 
Well, there you go. Another example of really good code on Stranger Things, in this case with the LE. Now, that's something that's got a lot of fun features. We talked about the UV kit and how spectacular that is, the projector, all those fun things. But you, Eric, are a massive fan of older games without all the bells and whistles. And I really appreciate that because I also love the older games. What is it that draws you to these vintage pinball machines? Well, I think it all started when I was younger. My uncle's a collector. He lives in the Cleveland area. So as you know, that's a big hotspot for collectors. I would go there growing up and he had a very eclectic collection at one point. He, I think he had around 30 machines at home, everything from manual loader EMs all the way up to, I think, uh, you know, the last time I was going over there consistently, I want to say Star Trek Next Gen was probably a pretty new game. So always going there and having that experience with all those different games, I always had an appreciation for them. And then when I became very ensconced in the hobby myself, started competing, things like that, Pinberg was just the greatest thing to me ever. And I just love the fact that it forces you to be good at everything in order to win that tournament. Ever since I experienced that, I wanted that to be how all my tournaments were. And I wanted to be good at every type of game. And when you start to go down that road of those older games, it's just good and bad, I guess. Bad on your wallet and your space in your house because you're going to want a lot more games now. But just the rules and the artwork and just kind of this five minutes to learn lifetime to master type games. You know, I can bring friends over that don't care about pinball at all, but I can walk them over to Grand Prix, tell them two things, and now they're on the same level as me. And now we're just, who's got the more skill to do the thing, you know? And if I try to do that with them on Game of Thrones, their eyes would just glaze over in the first five minutes. So it's nice having these simpler games to just kind of jump on with either hardcore competitive people that appreciate them as well, or just casuals that can learn them quickly, so... You mentioned Pinberg, and that is, I mean, there's a million reasons why I'm going to miss Pinberg and and the Papa organization, but it was a chance to play these older games and really compete against them because I think it is important. I think the Pinberg championship was the true championship of great pinball players' skill set because you had to learn everything and the subtle nudges of older machines, the ability to shoot shots, the accuracy that was needed as opposed to the rules knowledge, which is also just as important. But I'm just saying Pinberg gave you the whole gamut of you have to be good at all these different skills. And I think we're going to miss that, especially with Papa. And it's one of the things that discourages me from big tournaments like even the stern pro circuit finals too which is all new games and i get that because it is stern putting up these games putting up a wonderful new inbox machine for the winner and all the prize money so i get that if i was in stern shoes i'd do the exact same thing it's just unfortunate that there isn't the way it was i'm not trying to sound like a (laughs) an old fart who's uh wishing for the ways of the past but you know the stern pro circuit events that I participated in had all the new modern games, but it also had those classic Stern games or Data East games. And uh, I think we're going to miss that now, but that's the good thing about some tournaments. You know, we see classic events and even Indisc has kind of a mix of new and older games in their open championship. And I'm glad that there's still some of these events that have a mix of these older and newer games. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the newer Stern circuit finals at least the first one they did they did have classic stern splashed in but maybe the most recent one they did away with that but yeah the next one that they do will be only modern sterns which okay gotcha okay 
it's also like the Chicago Expo, which is a great event. I mean, if you haven't been to Chicago Expo, you have to go. But that flip-out tournament is all new and very new games. I mean, even the last one had Elvira had Star Wars pin in it, games people hadn't even really played before. And those were in the championships there. And there's nothing wrong with that because they also had a classics tournament. So it wasn't just, you know, there was a variety if you wanted a little bit. So I like that there's a good mix of those things. But Pinberg, I mean, that was one of a kind that I don't know if we'll ever see again. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of people that try to at least emulate that as much as they can. You're obviously not many people are going to be able to pull off that type of size competitors. But I think if tournament directors out there that are getting into it or have been doing it for a while, if you can sprinkle in these games from all eras, I think it just really makes the experience better, you know, forces the stern experts to compete on other games and, and get good at those. And, uh, you know, just it just really develops a player skill level, in my opinion, if you just are able to really compete at a high level on any game you step up to. I mean, look at Keith Elwin, for example. I mean, it doesn't matter what game you put in front of him. It's just extremely impressive what he can do on any game. It could be some, what was it, the last Pinberg, that random EM football game. Like, it was amazing watching him pull off some of these flipper tricks on this old EM that I'd never even seen before. <laughs> and uh, so it's just it's just really impressive to see someone that can go from any game and just dominate. So I stress to any tournament director out there, really try and expand the eras that you use. There's really not, you can make any game at least in my experience, suitable for a tournament. There's not many that you can't, you know, make okay. I mean, some, sure, but, like, really try to expand that reach you're doing there with the games you select for tournaments. I hear a lot of maybe newer players say that some of the older games have a lot of luck in them. Certainly there's luck in all of pinball, no question about it. When you get that in-lane you need or, you know, some massive save or a shot that hits a pop bumper and just keeps going up and down and, and you're getting rewarded that way. Sure, there's luck there for sure. But it was Josh Sharp who said to me, and he was correct in saying, okay, yeah, there's luck in it, but you're telling me if you take someone like Keith Elwin or any one of these great players and give them 10, 20, 100 games on that EM, you're telling me they wouldn't come ahead in more times than not? Again, it's using their skill set too. So yes, there's luck on a certain ball. And one thing I like about EMs too is because they're five balls, you know, a house ball isn't as punishing as something on a three ball game. You can recover. Yeah, so that's why a lot of people prefer to play, say, Grand Prix or Jungle Queen as opposed to Stars because Stars is just as brutal, just as hard as any EM out there, but you get two less balls to play that. And I've since kind of gotten away from on my specific stars using it for three ball i haven't used it in a tournament yet on five ball but i'm going to start because just the sheer brutality of that game and how short the game times are for a four-player group i just don't think it's necessary to have a game take that short amount of time when it's just as hard as an em you can be just as unlucky with some house balls on that so i think that's another thing that people can do. Don't be hamstrung by the, oh, well, it's solid state or it's EM. You know, if a game's playing way too hard, you know, do something about it so that the players aren't getting discouraged from, you know, how difficult it is. But going back to the, the EMs being too much luck, like you talked about before, like plunging is so much more important on EMs than I really think anything. Um, if, if, if you're just thinking that you're getting house balls left and right, well, something happened before that. Plunge better. 
Right, exactly. Like plunge purposefully, as my friend Stu uh, would say. You know, if if this lane up top led to your demise, plunge to a different lane up top and make sure you don't touch that other one or, or do some better nudging before it comes down to the flippers. Like there's a lot you can do and so many games are so important on where the ball goes on the plunge if they're older that you really need to concentrate on that. If you only play newer games, the plunge is insignificant almost every single time. So it just kind of changes up how you think, which is another reason why to, to gravitate towards those. You telling me on Jungle Queen or Jungle Princess, whatever version you're playing, hitting that B lane isn't important? That is extremely important. It's all that matters on that game. It's all that matters. If you can plunge that B five times out of five every single time, you will win 75% of the time. <laughs> like, it's just that important. There's no, I mean, unless you get extremely lucky with a, like you said before, a pop bumper shooting back up through there, it's very unlikely that happens. So you better get that plunge dialed in because if you get to a certain level, everybody's going to be able to do that. And if you can't, you're going to lose. It's not an EM, but it's certainly an older game. Kiss Bally, you better hit that middle lane at the top. There are five. If you hit the middle one, you're going to progress a lot faster than other people. Is that another one where that's the only way to get it? Is that is by going through it? It spells kiss. Okay, so it lights your spinner. Okay, nice. So I have a game that was originally an EM, but then they also made a solid state of it too. And you were talking about making your stars into a five ball game if you did it in a tournament because there are so many house balls. Well, a lot of solid state games are three ball games. This one is a five ball game and I think it's absolutely important. Again, it was an original EM game that they made a solid state. It's Joker Poker. And because of the code in that game, I think it is essential to make that a five ball game, even if it is a solid state. So I remember someone telling me about this it's something with the bonus and what cards are lit if it's five ball instead of three. I, I can't remember what changes like via. On a five ball solid state Joker poker, your first target to hit is the one single 10 stand up on the left hand side because if you hit that, then your bonus is 5x. Okay. And on the second ball, it's the two jacks, then the ah. three queens, then the four kings, then the five aces. So that's the great thing about that is mm. you have certain targets on each ball to get. I know you have a royal flush and you and I were talking about uh, maybe getting a joker poker. It's a way better game. You'll enjoy it. But royal flush is fun too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, royal flush is great because it's one of the only EMs I've played where it has these kind of like layered rules you know i like the increasing value of the drop targets depending on how many jokers you collect before you start hitting them down that's very challenging and super satisfying if you can collect all them before you start hitting down your drop targets so yeah that's what's kept it around for me i know it'll eventually leave but yeah joker poker would definitely be one of the ones that uh i would want to replace it with because i would want it to be another gottlieb so i always try to keep some gottliebs in the back of my mind and that's definitely one of them It's something about those card games. I mean, pinball machines certainly are very attracted to pool games. There are some different sporting games, but card games, there are a lot of them. And the one I would love to get is Jack's Open. Jack's Open. Yeah, I think I played... Is there an EM and Solid State version of that too? I know I played the Solid State version. Okay. Yeah, I think I played the Solid State version at that Mystic Crew in New Orleans. There was like a little pizza joint that they had some games in and yeah there's a jacks open there jacks to open there but only played it a couple times but yeah it's a seems like a solid choice 
You know, here we are coming up to a year in this pandemic, but we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We're seeing a lot of vaccinations in the States. They're talking about everyone being vaccinated or certainly 70 to 85% by the end of June in Canada at September, which I think is going to be good for someone like you who runs an amazing tournament in Pincinnati, which takes place in December. Got to be looking forward to that because I'm looking forward to that because that might be one of the first ones I get to. Yeah, Jeff, I'm super excited We obviously had to cancel last year. The hotel was fantastic with us. They let us just move our reservation, all the money we had into it, to this year. So it was very nice of them to do that. So we've been loyal to them because of that. So first weekend in December... This year, 2021, it's it's a full go right now, and I, I agree with you. I think we'll be in a pretty good spot by June, July to be able to really ramp up, getting the hype up there and, and getting everybody excited and, and get back to hanging out and playing some pinball by the end of the year. So for those that have never been to Pincinnati, what can they expect at this event? So Pincinnati is a smaller show. I'd call it a player show, meaning if you just like to play pinball all weekend and have a good time with your friends, this is a fantastic show for that. It's about 10,000 square feet, give or take, in the show floor. We'll have about 150 games on free play with some vendors there. We have multiple distributors that come. Flipping Out does a big display. Uh, We usually have American Pinball come. Spooky Pinball's been there before. Uh, So we try to get some of the manufacturers there. We get some some big distributors to do those show game specials, which I know everybody likes. You can save a little bit on your game and go pick it up in person. So it should be a good spread. The main change this year will be that the tournament will be moving outside of the main show area to a specific tournament area, if you will, so that uh, we just had some confusion on people being able to play the tournament games and win and all that kind of good stuff. So we're going to have a separate tournament area outside of the shows to to kind of alleviate that and then also have more room inside to put some more free play games in there. So yeah, it's a smaller show, but uh, we don't do much in the way of seminars and things like that, but we kind of more focus on good fun tournaments and just a show full of games that are all in great shape and are working all weekend because we have a fantastic group of collectors that keep the games running all weekend and we kind of create our own army of techs that kind of help each other throughout the whole weekend so you're selling yourself short because i know it grew from year one to year two and it sounds like a lot of fun and again being that first week in december that's going to help a lot of people as we kind of wind down this pandemic so looking forward to Cincinnati. i know that being just outside of cincinnati for yourself what are you 20 miles away yeah about yeah i'm in independence kentucky so about 20 minutes south of downtown cincinnati and then Cincinnati is actually in Eastgate, which is about 20 minutes east of, the, of downtown. So, Is Cincinnati going to be able to recover after losing Trevor Bauer? I think that's just the one thing I want to know. <laughs> now that he's gone to the Dodgers for $40 million a year. Ridiculous. Well, since you know that, I'm, I'm sure you're a, somewhat of a baseball fan and follow things. And the Reds' issue last year was not pitching. Trevor Bauer didn't pitch every day. They had amazing pitching all season. So losing one of those guys, I think, will not be nearly as important as improving their offense, which scored zero runs. (laughs) Zero runs in the playoffs. (laughs) Zero runs in the playoffs. Something in the low 200s of batting average. It It was pretty bad. So I just hope that they can, that was a fluke, and they can improve on that because they haven't done much in the way of off season acquisitions. So. We'll see. My Canadian boy, Joey Votto, you got to start swinging that bat. I mean, stop milking the walks. Get on base. Do something. Drive in some runs. Yeah, sometimes you'd you'd like to see a guy like Joey kind of 
put the team on his shoulders, but it doesn't seem like he's ever been that way. He just goes about his business. And I do hope that they institute the DH for both leagues so that if the Reds can do DH forever, I mean, Joey, I feel like could play until he's 90. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, at least you've still got the Bengals. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not too pretty. And, and, and usually I fall back on my UK Wildcats basketball, but even that's terrible this season. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. That's all right. You allowed a down year, and it looks like uh, Tampa and L.A. have got all the great teams this year in all the sports. So, you know, we'll just have to watch and hope for the best maybe in 2021. Eric, good to talk to you, buddy. And uh, if you want to hit Eric up on ICR, you can do that on Discord. Look for Chuck Wirt, and maybe we'll see you again streaming. I know you did a lot with Straight Down the Middle. And of course, the NKY Pinball Championships, when those happened, you would stream those. But we can maybe still find you on YouTube. What's the latest with streaming? Yeah, so still streaming with Straight Down the Middle. So if you want to follow Straight Down the Middle SDTM Pinball on Twitch, that's when you'll see all my streams go live more regular schedule during the summer weekly but i tend to during the winters just kind of stream once or twice a month so just make sure and follow me so you'll get notifications when i go live and then i'll usually upload my i do a lot of tutorials gameplay videos and showing off new features and those get uploaded to my chuck Wirt youtube channel so if you want to follow subscribe there as well you can see all those tutorials and things that i've done in the past on there and then for our local leagues which is nky pinball i'll do some streaming of big tournaments that we have and that'll be from the sdtm pinball twitch channel as well so just follow and subscribe and you should get those notifications and check out my stuff what's it like when you do those big streams and those tutorials where you really break down the game and then all of a sudden game of thrones changes the code Yeah, I think that was awesome that we got the huge code update, but yeah, I had to I had to do an update stream and it was fine, you know, I was able to just do one stream that covered all the differences and just kind of referenced my previous ones and said, you know, get your base knowledge from there and then you can see what what all changed here. So, and I have them all as one playlist on my YouTube channel so you can see them all in one place and kind of go through them. So, some people seem to appreciate a kind of in-depth walkthrough and then they can kind of choose their own path on how they want to tackle the game for a high score so i try to gear my tutorials to be you know here's every inch of the game and then you can kind of decide what works best for you all right my last question eric where does chuck wirt come from i know the wirt yeah so wirt is obviously my last name wirtenberger i had a stupid nickname in high school that some high school friends called me chuck for a while were you throwing up a lot or something? <laughs> no, just a long story with that. Just kind of an inside joke kind of thing. And then when I first signed up for an online AOL Instant Messenger account, it was Chuck Wirt and just stayed for anything online after that. So Were you rocking the Converse back in the day? What was it? <laughs> I'm not quite that old. I was, uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, just an inside joke of just, uh, we were teasing some substitute teachers that didn't know our names and we made up some new names and mine stuck. So. <laughs> You know, every time I go through a drive-thru and they ask what your name is, I always give a fake name. And it, it doesn't matter what it is. And my kids are like, Dad, why do you do that? And the name could be something like, uh, yeah, can I get your name, please? Yeah, Dottie. <laughs> they're like, Dad, what's going on? <laughs> Rocco, Chuck. I'll give yeah, you right. Chuck, I think, next. Yeah, there you go. Do it. All the best, buddy. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. Check us out on Facebook as well. We're on Instagram and Twitter at pinballprofile. And you can email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teals. Attack!